Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 31 and in the previous 30 we've covered a massive amount of topics. I mean I don't want to say we've done it all but we've certainly scratched the surface of just about every financial issue I can think of. It's definitely worth a look through our catalogue of free shows to see if you can find the subject you need a bit of advice on and then listen however and whenever you like for free. Then if you could rate and review us we'd be very grateful. Hit subscribe as well, and that way you'll get new episodes as soon as they drop, and you'll be right up to date. For our library of money advice shows, search The UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcast. That's The UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Mellis. With me as always, the star of the show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you? Good, thank you. Now, here's an interesting one, and one that we haven't looked at in a little while. It's about pensions, and more specifically, raising the question of whether you should combine your pensions. To be honest, I don't even know that you could. I'm still getting to grips with all the types of pension you can have and, and what you can do with each, so this may take me a while to get to grips with. I take it the idea has come around because more and more of us are, are working for you know, a few different employers in our working lives and therefore have a sort of hodgepodge collection of pensions with different providers from different jobs. Tell me more. It's probably worth um, recapping pensions in general as well. Yeah, I, I was looking up some statistics. I thought, I was like, how many people or how many jobs on average do, do people tend to have in their career? And the, the kind of figures that I was getting, it was saying that on average, folk usually tend to have between 12 and 15 jobs in their lifetime. I know I've never counted them myself, but probably wouldn't be far off double figures, although I've been in the same job now for over... 10 years so I enjoy it which is good and hopefully then I do anything else at any point <laughs> in the future so the result of that is that people will tend to have little pots or pension pots in a number of different places so one, one of the questions I get asked quite regularly is should you look to consolidate them into one pot so today's show will just go through like some of the, the reasons why people might do that some of the pros some of the cons some of the things to to look out for. Coming back to you, you, you mentioned about pensions in general, and there's sort of really two, two main types of pensions. You've got a, a defined benefit scheme, which is sometimes also known as a final salary scheme. And then you've got defined contribution pensions. So that's like your personal pensions, stakeholder pensions. A lot of workplaces now have a, a workplace pension or what's called an auto-enrollment scheme. So they're more your, your sort of personal pensions. So in, in today's programme, we'll, we'll kind of cover both those. All right. So let, let's look at the, um, you said the final salary type of pension, how you go about transferring that. From memory, that was the type that um, you worked all your days and then you, you got a sort of lump sum at the end, I think. Uh, first yeah. things first, though, I, I imagine you'd be less likely to try and transfer out of a scheme like that, given its benefits. Yeah, final salary schemes were often classed as like your gold-plated pensions. Now, for the majority of people, it, the likelihood is that it's not going to be in their benefit to, to come out of that. The way that they worked was your company would pay in, sometimes you would pay a portion in as well, but you would build up this pot and that would then give you an income for the rest of your life. If you were to die, it would then give your spouse a, a an income as well. So they, these pensions were, were always seen as being kind of very generous ones. Mm. So if, if someone has got a defined benefit pension, in probably in the majority of cases, it's not going to be best for them to, to transfer, but it is still good for them to seek kind of independent and, and 
it's advice on based on their circumstances. But the, the government have actually insisted that someone takes advice from a regulated financial advisor if they're thinking on doing this. And if the value of their pension benefits are worth more than 30000 So mm. um, for most people with final salary schemes, they are going to need to speak to someone should they want to look at the options for, for this. Now, advisors who, who do advise on these final salary schemes, they, they've got to have done various extra examinations. The firms have also got to hold um, professional indemnity insurance. Um, that's become a lot more difficult to, to get in recent years and, and also quite costly. So what's then happened is that a lot of companies have pulled out of, of giving advice on this. I know my, my firm... We, we don't have the permissions to do it, but we refer clients on to, to a couple of different firms that, that do. So it's not all financial advisory firms that will advise on defined benefit pensions. The, the firms that do do it now, it used to be that what they would do is they would assess things for you um, and then make a recommendation. And if you went ahead with that and it was to move it somewhere else, they would then charge you a fee. But they, that was called contingency charging. So they, they've actually done away with that now. So if you want somebody to, to an advisor to look at your defined benefit pension, um, they will charge you a, a fee for for doing so. Okay, so it's it's the same sort of idea that they'll charge you a fee rather than it being not hidden, but you know, part of the the actual uh, the process, I suppose. Yeah, it, it used to be that the, the companies would they, they would kind of assess it, and then in a lot of cases, they would say to people, no, just keep what you've got, keep it where where it is. With, with the final salary scheme, somebody might transfer that because they maybe want to access some of the cash. You, you do normally get a, a tax-free lump sum from that type of schemes as well. What, what you'll find is some a reason someone might want to do that is they might want access to that money for, for some reason. They can, by, by transferring it, it might give them better death benefits should anything happen to them. But generally, for, for the majority of people, it's not going to be good advice to come out of a, a final salary scheme in, mm. in a lot of cases. Just thinking, you know, when people talk about um, the, the good old days, they really were talking about the good old days with those sorts of pensions. That's the kind of thing that you see a guy who's, um, you know, works in the printing presses at the P&J all his life, finally retiring and actually getting paid, you know, a, a lump sum. And and it is sort of the the, the one job character that's been there the whole time that, that finally gets a payout. What about the, um, the, the defined contribution pensions then, Phil? With most of that schemes, they, they allow you to transfer your pot to another pension scheme. Now, if someone was looking to do that, they've got the option of a new pension scheme or a, possibly a lot of existing employer schemes will accept transfers in as well. So that, that is something that, as a financial advisor, they would be considering that for someone as well. I would say that the first thing to do is to check with the, the provider find out if there's any reasons that they can't switch. Then once they've done that, contact the provider they, that they're switching to and see if they should look at um, starting the, the transfer in. The, the Money Advice Service have got a lot of good um, guidance for people who are considering sort of moving their, their pensions. But one of the things that, some of the reasons you might look to move it would be things like, can you get lower charges? Certainly on a lot of old pension schemes, the, the charging structures used to be quite high on, on a lot of them. And, and that's one thing in, over the recent years is that charges on pensions have come down. So that would maybe be a reason why someone would consider mm. moving it. Another reason that, that somebody might consider moving it as well is maybe the performance. So if it hasn't been performing very well, they might think, well, I want to look at something that will 
perform a bit better. So there are reasons why people would look to to kind of want to review their defined contribution pensions. These are, are some of the pros that you're, you're identifying there. I would imagine one of the pros, um, we'll look at all of them in just a second, but I imagine one of them, if you're taking you know a number of pensions and sort of consolidating them into one new pot, it's all that paperwork that lies in, in the junk drawer. You don't have to worry about all of that anymore because it's just come down to the sort of one letter a year or whatever. It would be easy to keep a track of, wouldn't it? What are the other pros yeah. that, that, that go for, for doing this, Phil? Oh, it definitely is easier to keep a track on. And, and it's no wonder that, that people kind of do lose track of what they've got. One great resource that's out there, there's the, the pension tracing service that can try and help you track down lost pensions. But I, I see it time after time. And somebody the other day had given me details on their what was their main pension. Turned out they had another one with about 30 or 40,000 bazooric in it. So it, it kind of, and, and that's, it's a lot of money, is it? That's yeah. the thing. And people often don't realise that they've got these other ones. And over the years, they lose track of it. They, they maybe don't realise how much is in them. I, I've come across folk that's got 10 different pensions. It's crazy. Some of them might just have a few hundred pounds that they maybe were in a job just for a short period of time. So I, I see that all the time. So definitely one of the advantages is it is easier to, to keep track of. You've got less paperwork. You're only looking at getting a statement maybe in once a, a year, whereas if you've got four pensions, you're going to get four statements in. I, I mentioned earlier, it may be possible to, to get lower charges on your pension if you consolidate them all into one. Instead of paying various fees to all the providers, you're then only paying to one. But most pension providers tend to charge a, a percentage. So, so they'll say, right, however much funds is with us, we'll charge you a quarter of a percent or half a percent or however much it was. But um, in days gone by, that charges could be 1%, 1.5%, even sometimes as much as about 2% a year. So pension schemes these days do tend to have lower charging structures than, than some of the ones in days gone by. That, that's where a financial advisor can come in. They can assess all of that and they, they can get figures from your providers, run that through the, the various comparison tools that they, they use, and they can do an assessment of the, the charges to see is it best sticking where you are or can you get lower charges elsewhere? Cost is not always the, the most important factor. I mean, you, you want your pension to be performing as well as it can as well. Another good reason to review a pension is to make sure what's called your attitude to risk. So you want to make sure that you're taking the risks that you, you want to take on a pension. And I know with myself, I, I on my pensions, I've always tended to take a lot more risk with that than some other investments that I've got because I always think that money's there for, for such a long period of time. It'll probably be 15, 20 years before I look at doing anything with my, my pension pots for, for drawing money out of them. So I tend to take, personally, I tend to take higher risks with, with that. What, one other reason for, for possibly looking at putting your pensions all into one is it could give you more retirement options. If you're coming up to retirement, some existing pension providers don't have much options for you. When you retire, you've, you've got what's called um, drawdown um, or sometimes known as income release, and that's where you're drawing money out of your, your pension pot. So one, one advantage of transferring may be that it, it may give you more options at, at that time as well. I mentioned about the, the investment performance. I mean, one thing I would say with that is um, performance is never guaranteed. They always say past performance is no guide to the future. So Certainly on, on some newer pensions, you've got a lot more choice of investment than, than you've got on maybe some of your older schemes. I, I've reviewed 
pensions in the past for folk and the providers have maybe only had one fund available, whereas some pension providers now have got hundreds of, of funds. And another thing that's coming up more and more just now is like ESG and, and ethical investing. That seems to be quite a, a popular thing at the moment. So if someone has got more kind of ethical or wants to, to invest in sustainable investing, then again, there, there may be more choices for them by moving their pot into to one provider as well. So definitely worth looking at the, the performance. Are, are, as you know, pensions underperforming. Would a transfer to a new scheme make sense? But again, like I say, there, there's no guarantees with, with the performance there. So if, if you are looking at combining your pension pots, I mean, it could be that that could help get you a potentially higher retirement income. But again, that's where a financial advisor can, can look at all that different options for you as well. A couple of things crossed my mind, Phil. Is there a limit to how many times you can transfer your, your, your pension pot? And also, uh, is there a period where you can no longer do it? So let's say you can do it up until two years of you drawing a pension or something like that. Is, are there any limits to this? There, there's not. I mean, you, you could transfer your pension between providers pretty much as, as regularly as you want. The only downside is that usually if you're you're doing that, if you were using a financial advisor, they would charge you a fee usually for, for setting up a new pension. So that would kind of be a reason not to, to be transferring it too often. Right. I, ideally, what you want is to try and get one that, that's performing well, with a lot of the providers, I mentioned that they've got some of them now have got almost thousands of funds. Um, you've got what's called a platform, and on there, there's literally thousands of funds. So you could be with one provider, but move funds within it. That, that would probably be a, a cheaper option. Okay. Um, what financial advisors will do is they'll review the existing pension, they'll look at the options to transfer it to maybe a work scheme. They, they'll look at any other pensions you've got. Is it worth adding anything into them? So there, there's an awful lot of choice. And even when somebody hits retirement age, if they go into, I mentioned earlier, drawdown, you can go from one drawdown provider to another as well. So, so even once you actually draw the benefits from your pension, that is another option where people can, can do that as well. Okay, we'll get on to the cons in just a minute. I, I want to come back to, to one thing, and it's it's really got nothing to do with uh, with advice on pensions, but you mentioned there that uh, you'd spoken to one person who had pretty much thirty, forty thousand pounds of Zurich that, that they, they'd forgotten about. Presumably, there are going to be providers who have money sloshing about in their funds that is never, ever claimed because uh, people who've forgotten don't remember in time and therefore they're just sort of lost in the mists of time. They're going to have money sloshing about the funds. What happens to that? I've seen in, in some providers what they, they do, and in years gone by, you, you, you got a lot of what was called with profits policies. And on them, what the providers would actually do, they, they would make efforts to contact whoever it was. But I, I know in days gone by, eventually they used to just take that money and put it into the pot so the existing policyholders shared it. But I, I do know that a lot of the pension companies will make a lot of efforts to, to try and contact the person. And if they're not there, they're, they're immediate kind of descendants as well. But tell you, there, there's be some amount of money. I bet if you, you looked up on Google, <laughs> it, it would tell you. But I, it happens regularly. And, and I think the reason for it is that people move house quite a lot mm. more these days as well. So you move house and you, usually the ones that people forget to notify is maybe the doctor's surgery and their pension provider. That, that's often it. So you've got resources like that pension tracing service that will try to, to help you track down any missing pensions. Um, another thing that complicates it is that 
a lot of these companies get taken over. So, so you might have had at one point in time, it was Peril and then MPI, and then I think they were taken over by Phoenix. So you've got all people lose track of it. And then when they've got gone through all their paperwork, it's no wonder why they, they kind of get confused and don't know what they've got and how much is with whoever it's with. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's that moment in the podcast, by the way, note to self, if I ever move, notify pension scheme. <laughs> um, so let's go back to this, Phil. What about the, the cons for doing this, for, for combining your pensions? What are the, the things, the negative aspects of that idea? Uh, I, I would say one one of the first negatives is that you potentially you may have less diversification. I and mean, if you've got pots with several different providers, then you've got a wee bit more diversification. I and mean, if you put all your money into one fund, and that fund doesn't do well, your whole pension's not doing well. Whereas if you have got it spread in, in a couple of different funds or a couple of different providers, then you might have more diversification there. But you, you tend to find a lot of pension funds will offer. I mean, you get so much different places you, you can invest in. But when you pull all your, your pensions into one pot, you're putting all your eggs in one basket is, is kind of what I would say there. I mentioned as well, like if that pension doesn't perform so well, then that could affect your, your money in the future. I mentioned as well earlier about the like any potential advisor charges. Also, you have to watch out for any penalties that your existing provider might have. And not so much on the newer schemes. They, they don't tend to, to have that. Although that said, I know St. James's Place, they, their pensions, I believe, have got quite hefty penalties for, for up to six years, which... That doesn't happen so often these days. Most pension providers, there tends not to be kind of any penalties on, on the newer contracts. Certainly on older contracts, I would be keeping an eye out to see if there is any penalties on, on there. You, you also got to bear in mind that if you are using a financial advisor, if they're recommending a new provider, they, they're likely to be charging some sort of fee for that. So again, charges for transferring out of a pension could be significant depending on, on how much they are. And I, I have seen on, on some people that's got bigger pension pots, um, a lot of financial advisors will, will charge a, a fee as a percentage. So if you had 300 grand and, and somebody's charging you 3%, the fee for that could be 9,000 pounds. So it is, the, the fees can be, be quite hefty for, for shifting pensions about Another important thing to bear in mind is you could lose valuable benefits. Some pension schemes allow you to take more than the, the 25% tax-free cash. I've seen that come up in the past. One of my advisors the other day was speaking to someone. I think they, they had tax-free cash up to about a third of their pension. So that was probably a reason not to, to be moving that one. You, you might find some pensions, they, they might have links to, to inflation. Some in the past maybe used to have options where you could take them before the, the normal age of 55. Some, some older pension schemes used to have what was called guaranteed annuity rates or GARs. And, and basically what happened there was once you hit your retirement age, they guaranteed the, the rate at which you would get your sort of return at that point on, on your pension. So some of the old policies that had these guaranteed annuity rates, to, to give you an idea, an, an annuity is when you would give the pension or give the provider your pot in return they'll pay you an income for the rest of your life now at the minute annuity rates are, are dire a lot of the times it's less than kind of five percent but some of that older pensions used to have guaranteed annuity rates maybe in and between 10 11 12 percent so if someone had that that might be a good reason to to not shift pension provider so again if you've got that 
you may get a better level of income when you retire by staying where you are. But again, that, that's where a financial advisor can come in because they can look at it and say, right, that is better staying where it is. You may be another pension that you should move or you should be saving more. There's a lot of good reasons to, to speak to a financial advisor. But even on the, the defined contribution schemes, again, if you've got that valuable benefits, if your pot is worth more than 30,000 and you've got a guaranteed annuity rate, then again, the, the stipulations are that you've got to speak to a regulated advisor in that circumstance as well. So another reason sometimes not to transfer is if you've got a small pot when you get to, to retiring, there's sometimes more options for just cashing in a small pension pot. So for example, you can cash in small pots of less than £10,000 and that is known as, as trivial pots. And if you do that, you can still have that allowance where you can pay up to your annual salary or £40,000 a year, whichever is the lower of that figures, into a, a pension to still be accumulating pension rights there. So, so again, there's quite a lot of different pros and cons, and, and that's kind of gone through and, and covered quite quite a lot of them there. It is, and, and I can almost sense where this is going when I ask for what our key takeaways are on, on pensions. You're going to say, go, go and speak to a financial advisor. I would always say, like, speak, speak to an independent financial advisor. They, they can review your pensions, but they, they'll review the charges, they'll look at the performance, they'll also take into account and say, right, what additional benefits do you maybe have? But they can guide you as well. I mentioned there, guide you on how much you, you need to be saving or how much you maybe should be saving. But what a good financial planner will do is sit down and say, right, what kind of lifestyle do you want to have when you retire? And how much money are you going to need for that? And so how much are you going to need to save to, to get to that point? So um, yeah, definitely, I'd, I'd say key takeaway for this would be, I mean, you, you can try and do some things yourself. I mean, there are occasions that I mentioned there that you have got to speak to a regulated financial advisor, but I, I'm always a great advocate of people taking financial advice. Okay. Um, each week, so far as we've covered various topics, Phil's given us a look back over his own life story and how it's been affected by some of the subjects we've been discussing. So combining pensions, Phil, or pensions in general, what do you have on that? I, I've seen them. It's something I've done myself. Um, I, I just recently moved I had two different pensions. I moved them into one. So again, for me, that was mainly kind of admin, administration. So I had less admin. And it also, charges-wise, it was much and such about the same. But for me, it was more just to, to kind of have less admin form of there. But I, I've seen it a lot. I mean, when I used to be an advisor, I, I've helped a lot of people with, with pensions over the years. I, I've seen some folks save thousands and thousands of pounds on their, their charges. I've seen some folk that were in poor performing pensions that we've shifted them in the past and they've done very well over the the longer term. And I have also seen quite a number of cases as well where, where the advice had been to say to people, look, what you've got is good, just keep it where it is. One thing you will find is that a lot of like financial advisors, quite a number of them will do a, a free initial review with, with people just to give them an idea as, as to what... I, I did actually see a, an advert on Facebook the other day, and it, this kind of really gets my goat, but it was going on about free advice. Now, you, you tend to find... You don't get nothing for nothing. And I, I went on their website and once I, I delved into it, they basically said their advice was free, but should you choose to go ahead with it, then they charge the fee. And I'm like, that's a bit, I don't know. To me, it was a wee bit kind of naughty, but mm. um, it is definitely worth 
kind of reviewing your pensions. I know in the past, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've been a financial advisor and I know sometimes I tend to just leave them and forget about them, but it is something that's good to, to be reviewing on an ongoing basis as well. Okay. Uh, Phil, we always do this bit as well. You find inspiration, I know, through various people that you admire and you do love a quote. Have you got one that fits our subject matter for this episode on whether you should combine your pensions? By definition, saving for anything requires us not to get things now so we can get bigger ones later. That's from somebody called Gene Chatsky. I hope I pronounced that right. Well done, Gene. Uh, now, Phil is very keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. That's what we're all about here. If you want to email a question to us, then you can. And as always, uh, we can ask him anonymously if you wish. Let's get on to this week's contact details for this coming up in a second. I'll give it to you after these. Uh, our first question today comes from Rick in Elric, who asks, uh, while he's working at home, should he be taking out any kind of different insurance or should that be up to his employer? Also, uh, is there anything preventing him from taking out further insurance on top of his employers if they are responsible for providing it? I don't know what he's doing at home. I mean, it sounds like industrial incineration or something really dangerous, but it's a subject which has come up more than once. If you're working from home right now, Phil, is your employer responsible for ensuring you to be there? I, I know that employers have still got a responsibility to make sure people are in a, a safe working environment, working from home. Honest, the, the honest answer I would say is that I'm not, not just 100% sure, but what I would say is that I would check with your employer and, and see what they're saying about that. And I would also get them to check with, with their insurers. I would say that would be the, the kind of best things to, to do initially. And then you could kind of take it from, from there in that instance. Uh, next up is Karen in Bucky. Now, Karen says, as a freelance contractor, it doesn't say what she does exactly, but she's she's a, a gun for hire, let's say. Is there a law which determines how long a client can wait before paying her? Because most people, they, they put their terms on their invoices, don't they? You know, please pay within, you know, so many days. Um, so... Are there any laws which determine how long a client can wait before they pay her, Phil? I, I think the, the terms would usually be specified in any contract that you have. That, that's where you would kind of sort of have a look there. I'm not aware of any like specific times. I know a lot of standard terms tend to be 30 days. I, I know a lot of contractors that, that specify seven days or 14 days. They, they want to get the money in quite quickly. I know some large organizations can take a long time to, to, for people to get paid. And I, I've had clients that work in the oil industry and then they send an invoice into one person, it goes on to somebody else, and then, <laughs> then it's got to get approved by somebody else. And I, I've seen some folk waiting three to six months or maybe even yeah, longer to get yeah. paid. But I, I would probably say the best place to, to check would be any contracts that you've got. Okay. Uh, would you say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to have a look at our back catalogues because we, we've covered a, a fair few topics so far and we might have touched on what you're interested in. Now, I'm John Ellis. Thanks for joining us today for the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel that you need a helping hand with anything we've been talking about or anything else, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or on the Facebook page for the show. Search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well, or you could email a question that you can answer on a future show. His address is phil 
at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question and he could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured we won't use your real name if that's what you prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us and please subscribe on Apple or whatever you get your podcast. Then you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Sean.